Blog Talk Radio. What if Bigfoot came for you? That's coming up next right here on The Right Stuff. Hi, and welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the queen, Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking to my guest co-host and contributor today, Kyle Steele, who actually is Sebastian Richard. He wrote the book that we're going to be highlighting called The Siege at Simeon Heights. He thought they were only legend until they threatened his family. Like I told you before in our introduction, what if Bigfoot came for you? We'll talk about that in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank you for your support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for 10 years. As God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, go to patreon.com slash right stuff. To stay up to date with PJC Media, go to pjcmedia.net. Click that pink follow button. You'll never miss a show. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at PJC Media for updates, uploads, and more. Go ahead, subscribe today. Lastly, I want to thank you all for your support of my newest release, A Chance for Edoya, which is the last book of the Last Chance Bride series. If you haven't had a chance, go ahead and pick up your copy exclusively at Amazon.com. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring my guest on board. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be here with me today. I don't take it lightly. And I'm just so excited. I want to let our listeners know that Kyle is a recommendation from Jeremy and Amanda Richard. And if you've been following the show, I talked about Jeremy's book, Scarlet Thread, about a year and a half ago. And when his wife saw that I interviewed Christian authors, she recommended Kyle. And I have been enjoying his story, The Siege. I can't wait to tell you more about it in our conversation. I want you to peel back the veil and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, my, my true name is Sebastian Richard. Uh, my pen name is Kyle Steele. <clears throat> I've been writing uh, actively since 2017. My first little book was a Kindle book about 40 pages long. Uh, for the most part, I've been writing nonfiction. Uh, I was specializing in faith, leadership, and personal growth books. But I had this story on my heart for about six years uh, because I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about uh, Bigfoot, about cryptids, about Dogman. And uh, I had heard a story at some point in time that really shook me to my core. And I was like, man, that would make such a good movie or a good book. And I thought maybe if I fictionalized it and I, and I, and I you know, put my own twist on that uh, narrative that I had heard on the podcast, it could make for a really, really good story. Uh, but I kept it inside because I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to write fiction. I'm not a fiction author, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, until my, I kept talking about it year after year. And, and my wife said, you know, why, why don't you do yourself a favor and write the darn thing? And uh, so I was like, you know what? Yeah, that'd be great. And, and it was kind of like when I wrote, when I began writing fiction, it was like I, I was giving myself a present. Because when you write nonfiction, it's fact-based. You have to back it up. You can't just assert anything and throw it out there. You always have to do your research and your homework. And it's, it's demanding in a certain way. 
But when you write fiction, uh, it, it, the, the pages are blank. You're definitely the author, and you guide the story where you want that story to go. And there's an excitement factor to it that's just not present when you write nonfiction. So for me, it was a whole new experience. And man, I loved every second of it, to be honest. I mean, I, I, I got better reviews and the book was more better, uh, better received than my other works uh, because I tapped into a to totally different audience, uh, cryptid lovers, uh, outdoorsy types, uh, those who like uh, like me, like myself, uh, podcasts about Bigfoot and cryptids and all that. So it was a whole new uh, jar and, and audience for me. And uh, I, I had a really good time writing it. But I have to say, uh, there was a learning curve because you don't write fiction the same way you write nonfiction. And for me, it was a whole new experience because, uh, believe it or not, I think in, in, in total during my life, I, I've read uh, hundreds of books, all most of them nonfiction. So I had read maybe up to that point, maybe four or five fiction books in my whole life. So without going into uh, fiction and say, okay, I'm going to immerse myself and start reading fiction, I had to learn how do you build a story, how do you do that, how do you um, write that specific uh, type of, uh, of book. So it was a lot of learning curves, and I was, <laughs> it was funny because I was always on YouTube like, how do you do this? How do you write this? Should I write a, a prologue? Should I write a this? Should I write that? And, and I was always questioning uh, where I was going and how I was going to write this book. Uh, but uh, man, I, I learned a lot, and that was uh, that was also fun. Your book does not read like a debut novel because it is so well written, and the story flows easily from one chapter to the next. And you are kept in a state of suspense as you read the story, which I find incredible because my first debut novel is a Christian horror story that will not be named. My mother <laughs> loves the story. I'm sorry. It's funny. My mother loves it. Um, yes, our mom loves it. It's, it's your best one yet, my darling. And I said, thank you. <laughs> oh, so we'll just leave it there. I said, thank you. But she's my mother. She should like everything I write. You but uh, copies, I'll bet, right? Yeah, wow, ten. Then, you know, you know, I thoroughly am impressed with how well written it is for someone who is learning and has learned how to write fiction. What do you find the most difficult aspect when you were working on this story that you had to acclimate yourself to? Uh. For me, it was the show don't tell aspect of I I just want to tell because when you write nonfiction, you're telling all the time, and now all of a sudden I had to convey images in my readers' minds without telling and 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 I know that all throughout my book I'm still uh, telling uh, a lot. You know, I do show I I, I did develop the the. I don't want to call it a, an ability, but uh, I, I've been working hard during the process of writing to show as much as I possibly could. But, you know, you, I, I, at the end of the day, you can't berate yourself too much uh, for these things because you write the way you write. And uh, sometimes it's perfectly fine to, to, to be telling uh, and not showing. And other times, yeah, you want to you wanna show... So that the reader has all those images in their minds, and 
but sometimes I've read books uh, and because I, I did uh, out of curiosity I bought a, a couple of books uh, one from Dean Coons the other one from Nicholas Sparks I wanted to see what was out there for the from the best writers and to be honest I was reading through them I was like man they're losing me there's too much there's too much showing and there's too much flowery I had a hard time keeping uh, the story, keeping on, on, on point. Where am I at? Where is this? Where like, because when there's so much showing, you kind of lose uh, the, the, are they on the veranda still? Are they, <laughs> are they still talking about the dress? I don't like, you know, you're not too sure because there's too much, you know? So for me, as a simplistic, because I, I approach it a little bit like a novice, you know, I mean, uh, since I'm a novice reader of novels, I'm also a novice writer, and I think it it, it makes for an easy read. And in the what we were talking earlier before the show, you were mentioning that that's an easy read. Not to not to slight the book, not to say it was uh, uh, written simply, but but in the sense that it, it reads well. It's like poof 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 poof. It follows, and 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 you know where you're at at all times. Well, that's that's how I write. I like knowing where I'm at when I write, but I also want to make sure that the reader knows exactly where we're at and that they can picture what I'm trying to convey. So if I'm still on the veranda then, right? If I put too much, uh, what do you call it? Frills or, or whatever. Uh, I know I might lose the reader, so I, I don't want to do that, but sometimes the temptation is there. And sometimes, you, you know, there's an expression in, in, uh, in writing fiction that says, kill your darlings. You know, when you write those, that beautiful prose and you're in love with it, uh, they see that chances are the reader might not share the same sentiment, or they say, kill your darlings. But uh, I, I got to be honest, I didn't kill my darlings through this book because it, it, it was my first uh, novel. So I, my darlings were very precious to me, so I kept them around. <laughs> when we do what they call purple prose, which is very ornate, very florid writing, yeah. and I struggle with this because I am a reader and I like to picture myself and immerse myself in where the story is. If you have too little description or too little lack of setting, then you can't orient the reader. Or like you said, in your position, if you have too much of it, you're like, okay, he was talking about how beautiful the garden was, but was there a dead body? Is the dead body in the violas or is it in the shrubs? You know, you're trying to figure out, where you're going? So I, I like, like I, I, I think it was in the Nicholas Spark novel I bought. I think it was the choice, and at some point I had read two pages, and I was like, "What did I just read? <laughs> like, where, where am I? What, where's the story going?" Then I had to go back. Oh, okay, okay that's where they are, because <laughs> it was all about the script of this and the curtains of that and the, the light, the way the sun through the window, and it was just too much for me. You know what? Give me the facts, right? You want to know what's going on, and that yeah, that could I'm, be going toward your your preference for nonfiction because you're you're reading to gain knowledge, you're reading to learn, you're reading to impart the knowledge that you learned about something with something. And, else. I, and I love telling the story. <laughs> for me, the story is the essence of the book. I really am passionate about telling that story because I had I, I really wanted to carry the readers with me through it. And so uh, the, the telling part was uh, was hard to avoid for me. And so, dear listener, if you were tapping into our conversation, I'm talking to Kyle Steele, a.k.a. Sebastian Richard, about his debut novel, The Siege of Simeon Heights. And if you like cryptids and you like Bigfoot and you like those 
Odd Mysteries. You're definitely going to love this one because it's based off true accounts of people who have encountered saints. And that is probably the meat of the story that even though you put in a fictionalized way, you are recounting something that you heard. So tell us a little bit about this event. Well, that's the thing. The crux of the story was taken, the, the, the idea for the story like, was taken from one particular podcast I heard years ago about a family who had to endure uh, a similar type of siege. But a lot of the other elements of the story I built along the way based on other accounts. So when you're talking about Bigfoot, there's going to be wood knocks. There's going to be this stench. That, I mean, this, this is the stuff that comes back from one account to the next to the next to the next. Uh, there is a, a conducting a line, and, and they often come back. So a lot of the, those things come back. So I wanted to make sure they were uh, really well uh, portrayed in the book so that, that the readers not only read a great story, but they also learn about Bigfoot behavior in the process. So that's what... I based it on true accounts in that in that sense that I you know I wanted to bring in uh, the description what they look like from eyewitnesses uh, the stench uh, that that's uh, pretty much described the same way from one person to the next uh, smells like a rotting corpse or, or you know mixed with urine or whatever uh, it, it doesn't really doesn't smell very good they're called skunk apes in Florida for a reason right. Like, you definitely need a bath. He wouldn't be as terrified if he had a bath. Oh, my goodness. But I think it's their glands or something. I, 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 I just, I'm just theorizing here. But I think that uh, uh, they, they manifest that odor to let you know they're there. Uh, you know? So, so it's sort of like, like animals who release a scent yes. in a manner to get away predators. Yeah. Like, I'm coming. Or to push away potential risk like a skunk, like what a skunk yes. would do. Potential risk, potential intruders on their territory, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they have control over it, but that's just me. I mean, I'm, that's, uh, that's what I believe. Um, <clears throat> so I, I really, uh, the rock throwing, that's another thing I put in the story. Um, uh, <clears throat> so I don't want to sell any, any punches or anything. But, yeah, we but don't I, do too many spoilers, but we just yeah, talked about spoilers. it. But that, that's the kind of behavior that, that is uh, commonly described. So when, it, when I say based on true accounts, that's the kind of stuff. And, and I've heard also, uh, uh, rarely uh, do they uh, break in properties that are inhabited while the people are there. So if they do break in, usually the people aren't there. But I have heard a couple of instances where people were there. And it was horrifying. It was absolutely horrifying. Well, I freak out when I see a fly, so I can't imagine <laughs> if I saw a cryptid. So let's talk about this word cryptid. Now, people, when I say Bigfoot, they have Harry and the Hendersons on the mind from yeah. back in the day. But when we talk about cryptid, we are talking about a specific breed of creature, maybe. We're talking about potentially some ancient ancestor maybe we're talking about something that is so shrouded because the information isn't prevalent and that's why it's cryptic kind of based off the term cryptic, cryptic. exactly and cryptozoology mm -hmm. you know the word cryptic means uh, basically hit, hidden or um, shrouded in mystery like you said 
So cryptozoology is, is all about that, finding those animals that are not officially on record yet, that are kind of hidden from our knowledge, from our understanding. But there's always stories, and that's the thing about stories that last, like the chupa, uh, chupa cabra, chupacabra, I think it is. Chupacabra, yeah, it means yeah. the uh, the goat sucker. Yeah, that that because uh, the, the the this uh, this particular cryptid is uh, thought to be a slayer of goats and lambs, and is even thought to be um, an animal that drinks their blood, uh, but yeah, it's because they found the corpses of goats after a, a perpetrated attack from that creature, and uh, it was pretty much drained of its blood. So that's why they called it chupacabra, which means the goat uh, sucker. I was watching one of those YouTube channels that talk about paranormal things. And one of the ones they show was a video of this guy with his dog. They're in the forest. And the dog went into alert. And whatever it was you saw, it was on all fours. It was mm. massive. I mean, it was huge. And I'm sitting there going, I can't explain that away. There's no way I can explain this away. And the dog's barking. And I'm like, please get away from it, dog. Please get away from it. I'm, and the dog's like, rah, rah. you know, and the dog, he's doing, the dog's doing his job, though. He's doing his yeah. job. He's definitely trying to protect himself and he's trying to protect his owner. Yeah. And it was stalking through the forest. Its eyes glowed, probably from the light, but it was really interesting. And there are times when, and something that happens with the family, you come face to face with something you just can't explain and you can't explain away. What about people who have been in that position where they have seen things? And we're not talking just cryptids, but we can talk about supernatural too. They yeah. see things. They're terrified of talking about it. Mm. But is there a release when you stop holding it in and telling someone, even if the person doesn't believe you? Well, that's what I find is such a blessing that uh, we have seen a multiplication of such podcasts come out in the last five, seven years, ten years uh, that are concentrating about cryptids, the supernatural, where people can come on those uh, podcasts and share their encounters, share their supernatural uh, experiences share the things that scared them to death when it happened. Uh, and I've heard that many times during these uh, cryptid podcasts I've listened to for many, many times, uh, for many years, where you have these like huge guys, like six foot five hunters, ex-military, who would go on a show and recall their experience when they faced Bigfoot or when they faced Dogman or when they were in that situation and just retelling it brought them back to that moment and some of them sobbed some of them their voice was shaking and they had to apologize they said let me just compose myself here. I'm just kind of reliving it I'm sorry big guys like manly men alpha male dudes you know uh, and you're like wow isn't it fantastic, on the one hand, to imagine the, the, the primal fear that these beings uh, bring upon us when we encounter them because we're, we're not 
used to that. We're not expecting that. It's not a bear, and, and even a bear would be scared, but at least a bear, you know what you're facing. So there's that, that that's absolutely mind-blowing. But it's a wonderful thing that there's so many of these podcasts out there where these people actually say at the end of the show, thanks for having me on. It's the closest thing to therapy I've ever had because when I spoke about this to my friends, to my family, to my wife, to my husband, they laughed at me. They didn't believe me. They called me, uh, you know, drunk or whatever, you know, and, and they thanked the host because they, they, they really um, were able to talk about it and get it off their chest. And for them, it's beneficial. They can, oftentimes they can move on better after that. So I think it's a wonderful thing because we have more and more of these encounters. I don't know if the veil is thinning uh, the supernatural between the supernatural and the natural, and and we're seeing more of those cryptids, or it's just that because we have so much access to information and people are are not as not as shy as in, in the um, early 1900s, people talk more about these things and they're not um, they just feel more comfortable. Or maybe since more are coming out, more will come out and talk about it, and, and it creates an effect of uh, this is out there now we can talk about it. I don't know if it's one or the other, but... It could be, too, we can record these things, too. Recently, you must have heard about what was happening in Miami, that they had this huge police presence a couple of days yeah. ago, and there was this huge police presence. We're talking six seats, 100 cars. cars. Yeah. And you're wondering why. And so they said there were some kids fighting, but then there's this <laughs> zoomed... That made me laugh. Yeah, but there's this zoomed-in video of something walking. And I say something, and this is what irritates me to no end, is that it was so blurry, you couldn't see what it was. No, and they do that on purpose. Yeah. They blur it on purpose. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. So Carter, in the story, who's, who's our main character we're, we're following through, he is dealing with his own grief, and he is now a single dad. And you find this out very early in the story. I'm not spoiling anything. No, it's not spoiled. It's not spoiled. But actually... Facing these creatures, if we're going to call them that, facing these creatures can be cathartic in a way because he's got to choose between letting the fear overtake him or take care of his family, you know. So he's got some really serious decisions to make here. And so when you pick up your copy of The Siege of Simeon Heights, you're going to be thrown into this world of cryptids. You're going to learn a lot of information, but you're also going to have a great story. And it's a family story as well. And, and that's what the thing is uh, that was fun to write for me because uh, after I ended every chapter, I would, uh, I would gather the kids. I have three children at home and, and my wife. And I'd say, okay, yeah, I'm done with another chapter. You guys want to hear it? And they'd say, yeah. And I'd get their feedback. Uh, and they just love the story. So it's like the ideal campfire story. If you have kids, uh, it's, it's pretty much, I would say, maybe PG-13 or something. So it's, if you can share it with your children. Uh, it, it, there's some parts that are scary for sure. I mean, that uh, we need that to, to keep the story uh, enthralling. But uh, it's a family story first and foremost, I believe. Uh, and I got some good uh, comments from um, from reviewers who told me what I liked about the siege is that uh, it, it, it's not just monsters ripping ripping through people or whatever. It's it's really a family story. There's these re uh, complex relationships. The characters are well-defined. 
and you're really you really brought into the story and I, I that's what I wanted to convey a good story not just monsters ripping through uh, people and feet blood everywhere which there's no problem with that and my listeners know I'm a horror freak so uh, <laughs> I like it's that kind genre. Of I mean yeah. it appeals to some people but that that was not what I wanted to to bring well, you know, at the end, the, at the core of it, um, you're one of the second authors, a third author I've had on my show, so I've been doing the show, that really created the story with family involved, right? And I think that often helps the author get the feedback. And we're not talking about, oh, everything you write is perfect. No, you get really honest feedback from the people who love you the most. And I think when you have that dynamic that's why the stories actually read so much better like the other author he wrote um oh gosh the seventh elizabeth i can't remember the whole title but it's called something of the seventh elizabeth he's going to kill me when he hears this but um i loved it mind you i loved it but he his whole family was involved in that story then the guy who did another cryptic story called momo he's doing a movie kevin Kraft. he's doing a movie about it and you know the family's involved with that now you have a family involved story yeah and i love seeing those be put together i have a father-son duo who writes together just that family dynamic and i think what satan does he attacks the family oh, he attacks yeah. the family to keep the family from becoming the powerhouse that it is and so when you write stories with family involved you continue to perpetuate god's plan for humanity and the strongest unit of society is a strong family. Amen. Because well, we have strong families, agree. they build strong communities. Strong communities build strong neighborhoods. Strong neighborhoods build strong cities. Strong cities build up and have good leaders. Good leaders lead responsibly. So think about this, dear listener, as you're talking about this. I know we went off tangent, but you can't help it with me. I went a little bit off tangent, but... I want people, if they want to connect with some of your other work that you write under your own name of Simeon, I'm sorry, <laughs> not Simeon, of uh, Sebastian Richard, where yeah. can they find you online? I'm very easy to find. Uh, Sebastian Richard on Amazon. You just type my name and you're going to see my books there. Um, so, yeah, I used to, I, I still do. I mean, I write, uh, I still write uh, nonfiction, faith-based uh, leadership. I'm Right now I'm writing my second leadership book, um, so, yeah, a lot of faith-based books. Uh, I, I have a couple here that I brought, but I'm not going to show them, but uh, Kingdom Fundamentals is uh, one of the uh, fan favorite, I guess you could say. Uh, it's all about the kingdom of God. So people, if they want to learn more about the kingdom of God, that particular topic, uh, Kingdom Fundamentals, is a book that was uh, very appreciated by uh, by the public. Well, good. So we'll have you back to talk about that. We'll talk about that offline. And then... Um... What we want to do is give you an opportunity to connect with you. So they gave you Sebastian Richard. Make sure you go ahead and pick up his book. Now, you are one of my favorite type of guests, and that's the debut novelist, okay? Oh, okay. And in the few moments we have left, to go ahead and encourage that aspiring author out there today whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. You know, I'm also an author coach. Uh, that's what some, some people might not know that. Um yeah. I coach authors. I encourage authors. I created a course also for authors for nonfiction. It's an 18-hour long course. Uh, so I know a thing or two about uh, the fear that uh, most debut authors have about putting themselves out there, putting pen to paper. Well, of course, not pen to paper anymore. We're typing mostly. <laughs> but uh, the, the fear of doing it 
because they overanalyzed it. You know, analyze, paralyze. Just do it. Just do it. Write the book. You have a book on your heart. You have a novel on your heart. You have a story on your heart. You have a nonfiction book, a subject that God put on your heart. Do it. Start writing and don't look back. And another thing that we tend to do is as we write, we, we self-edit. And then we self-edit and then we, we can't get past chapter one. Don't do that. Write, 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 write. Chapter two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And then go back and start editing yourself because otherwise you'll never be done with that. And I, I know a lot of people who say, oh, I started writing a book five years ago. I'm still on chapter one. Well, yes, you're going to be on chapter one for a long time if you keep uh, being so self-conscious and so afraid. And that's another thing in the Christian realm, uh, especially when it comes to nonfiction, when you present ideas, when you present uh, concepts or theology, you know you're going to be judged. I mean, there's 42,000 denominations in Christianity. If you think nobody's going to judge your ideas, well, it's, you know, maybe writing's not for you. So you you know it's going to happen. Do it anyway. Back it up with Scripture, but but do it. Like, you, you want to present solid arguments. And I'm talking about uh, nonfiction again. But as as for the, the novel and the fiction realm, man, telling a story is so much fun. People love stories. They've loved stories for hundreds of years around campfires and so on and so forth. Uh, movies or stories people love movies i mean we love human beings we love a good story so if you have a good story well write it and 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 polish it and rework it until it, there's no plot holes as much as possible and then get those alpha readers better readers editors and all the people on board to 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 help you um patch everything up and make it really solid and tight and you're gonna have your book but do it. Just do it, basically. That's what I'm encouraging new, new authors to do. And I can't think of a better way to end the show today. So, Kyle, Sebastian, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Really enjoyed having you. Can't wait to have you back and have you back soon. I appreciate being on your show, Parker. And I love the fact that you're so chatty and uh, engaging. And uh, I just love your personality. So you're very bubbly and, and people need that in the book realm. And we were talking today to Kyle Steele. He is the author of the book, The Siege at Simeon Heights. It is Bigfoot fiction, if you want to call it that. But it's more than just that. It's a story about a family coming together to overcome obstacles, which is something we all can relate to. You, dear listener, may be having an obstacle in your life. Is it the fear of writing your story? Is it the fear of taking that step forward? Is it the fear that people won't hear what you're saying? Is it the fear that maybe I won't ever get this done? People are going to hate it. It doesn't matter. If God has given you the gift to write, just do it, as Kyle said. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead, pick up the pen, and write stuff. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen, Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. 
any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at Shopify.com slash records.